Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. School's out, but work isn't. I wouldn't count on any rest for the credit market weary this summer. All right, let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, the great deceleration. It's coming. Have we all gotten dangerously used to a life on stimulus? That's going to change, and it probably won't be elegant. Two, your tax dollars are at work. This week, your federal government has been active in a variety of ways that touch credit markets. We'll share our thoughts. And three, broadband is taking off. We'll highlight a transaction that gets you exposure. All right, let's get started. We start off this week with the great deceleration. We've all marveled at how powerful and how painless, at least thus far, massive fiscal and aggressive monetary policy can be. It has produced all sorts of largesse. Robust retail sales, especially of durable goods, a spike in housing values, soaring household net worth, and a powerful recovery in jobs. And markets have responded accordingly. An unrelenting bid for the riskiest assets and plummeting default rates have produced the most favorable financial conditions in a generation. Turns out, markets kind of like big government. Now, the cost of all this falls squarely into the high-class problem category of too much demand causing supply chain bottlenecks and a bit of price pressure. Now, we all know this is not sustainable, right? So why would we be worried about the correction, the return to normal? The answer is behavioral. There is a delusional element underpinning this market that will be tested as we move past peak stimulus and peak growth. We remain amazed at all the concern investment houses voice around inflation when the same houses are forecasting a breathtaking downdraft in economic growth. If we look at the Bloomberg consensus quarter-over-quarter quarter annualized growth in real GDP over the next five quarters, we find that the data looks like this. 10% growth in the current quarter, followed by 7%, 5%, 3.5%, 3 3%. No doubt on its way to the Fed's long-term growth rate forecast of 1.8%, which is where we were heading into the pandemic. And at the time, which seems like a thousand years ago, that didn't feel so good. And yet the S&P is 26% higher. IG spreads are 14 basis points tighter to basically structural lows. And high yield spreads are 50 basis points tighter to its structural lows. Now, corporate earnings have been big beneficiaries of all the stimulus. The 2022 consensus forecast is expected to be 11% higher than this year, and some 31% above 2019 pre-COVID levels. So safe to say the worst economic downturn in the U.S. since World War II was more than offset by the federal government's response, at least in terms of economic output, corporate earnings, and household net worth. But maybe that's the problem. The adjustment to the pullback, quite possibly accompanied by higher taxes, will not feel so good. We've talked often on the podcast of the stalling out of consumer confidence as a canary in the coal mine here. The nagging sense that all is not well. Maybe because of the sense that this is not sustainable and where we're headed might not be where we want to go. Time will tell. All right, on to our second thing, your tax dollars at work. 
This week, there were three items away from the Fed that should matter to credit investors. One, a bipartisan group of senators reached agreement with the White House on an infrastructure bill. Two, the Supreme Court has cleared a path for the Biden administration to remove the chief regulator of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And three, time to start worrying again about the fiscal cliff. Starting with infrastructure, a $973 billion plan spread out over five years is moving forward. The proposal, roughly half of what the White House initially called for, could grow to $1.2 trillion over eight years and includes $579 billion of new spending with the balance drawn from previously passed COVID relief bills. It will be funded by improved tax collection efforts by the IRS, we'll believe that when we see it, public-private partnerships, and existing federal funds. The plan will target traditional infrastructure elements such as roads, bridges, and water projects, as well as a build-out of broadband. More on that in a bit. Biden will likely attempt to simultaneously push through his more controversial $1.8 trillion social support package through the budget reconciliation process. Expect fireworks there. Economically, $3 to $4 trillion in stimulus, even when spread out over a number of years, would cushion the post-COVID landing, assuming markets have not reached their breaking point on how much stimulus is too much stimulus. In any event, we see this as a modest positive for markets. Next up, Fannie and Freddie will get a new regulator. The Biden administration will be able to replace the head of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, a Trump-appointed libertarian who was pushing to privatize Fannie and Freddie. At its core, we believe the president believes big government can and should do good things, especially when it comes to creating social and economic equality for disadvantaged groups. That means that, on the continuum that has privatizing the mortgage agencies on one end and nationalizing them on the other, this president is not troubled by maintaining the status quo, whereby the agencies are essentially wards of the state. While politicizing the agencies did not end up well in the run-up to the GFC, the uncertainty surrounding privatization would likely introduce turmoil into the mortgage market, which is in no one's interest. We see this as a modest positive for markets as well. And finally, it's back. Rising angst over the upcoming fiscal cliff, the point at which Congress has to raise or suspend the federal debt ceiling. That deadline, July 31st, is rapidly approaching, and given that Washington is back to its M.O. of scoring political points, we would expect the ideological battle over the debt ceiling to reemerge as an issue impacting market sentiment. In testimony this week, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen rang in the new battle, proclaiming that failing to increase the debt ceiling would trigger, quote, absolutely catastrophic economic consequences, unquote, adding that she believed it would precipitate a financial crisis. Well, no ambiguity there. Emergency measures could keep the government funded, but only for a few weeks, meaning that Congress will need to act before it is scheduled to leave for summer vacation at the end of July. You've been warned. All right, on to our third thing, the rise of broadband. Infrastructure remains on investors' minds, in part because, well, we need it, and mostly, I suspect, because, depending on how you fund it, it represents some additional amount of stimulus to an economy that has come to expect it. The Biden administration's agreement with a bipartisan group of senators on a proposed trillion-dollar infrastructure bill includes not only traditional infrastructure of roads, bridges, and water projects, but also $65 billion in funding for broadband. 
Now, we thought of this when looking at a planned $500 million debt issuance from Digital Bridge, the old colony capital, which has restructured itself and its assets into a tech infrastructure asset manager. Digital Bridge is the only global REIT focused on all major components of the digital ecosystem, including data centers, cell towers, fiber networks, and small cells. In a sign of the times, Digital Bridge has shifted its investment focus away from traditional real estate property types to digital infrastructure. The latter was 4% of AUM in mid-2018. Today, it's 81%, and it's on its way to 100% target by 2023. As of March 31st, 2021, the company has approximately $32 billion of digital infrastructure AUM. Digital Bridge will use a substantial amount of proceeds from the notes issuance to finance working capital at the firm level, as well as grow its balance sheet exposure to more digital infrastructure assets. The issuers, two classes, will be indirect bankruptcy remote subsidiaries of Digital Bridge Group, Inc. The transaction will be executed via secured fund fee revenue notes, whereby the collateral securing the notes is divided into two groups of management fees, derived from Digital Bridges investment funds, consisting of current and future fees, as well as select balance sheet assets. The debt is sized to a level such that it can be serviced from the management fee portion of the collateral, and the balance sheet assets are meant to provide additional security to the note holders in the event of underperformance or declines in future fundraising. The transaction is governed by a maximum permitted LTV of 35% or an asset coverage of 285.7%. The value of the transaction collateral is determined by calculating the discounted value of management fees and the book value of the various digital balance sheet investments adjusted for accumulated depreciation. Key structural features of the transaction include an interest reserve account, an LTV trigger, and a debt service cover ratio trigger slash cash trap. We see the transaction as an innovative way for an asset manager to tap into the financial flexibility afforded by its investment funds. The notes are rated triple B flat by KBRA. And for more information, you can find the pre-sale report on our website, kbra.com. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the great deceleration is upon us, and investors should worry about just how soft this landing might be. Two, the federal government is moving forward with an infrastructure proposal, Fannie and Freddie have a new regulator, and a new fiscal cliff is approaching. Pay close attention to the latter. And three, broadband as infrastructure is a thing. Digital bridge is one way to gain exposure. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.